live. I'm Mel with Guys, Games, and Beer. And Drunken Larry. And we are at GameHole Con 2018. And we are with... Victor Raymond. Oh, wait. You want me to say more about me? Please do. Oh, okay. Well, let's see here. Um, Raymond, why did we ask you on this show? Oh, goodness. Dr. Raymond. Any number of things. Uh, actually, it was our discussion talking about gender and gaming, I think. That's correct. Yeah. Uh, so I teach sociology, and I've done a lot of gaming. He said, artfully not talking about all that right now. Um, but I, I teach sociology, and one of the things I notice about this is great to see how this convention has grown, but I also see so many more gamers from so many more different backgrounds and I sometimes wonder, it's just like, do people understand that we're all still part of this larger society, right? So seeing more women, more people of color, uh, more LGBTQ plus folks, it's cool. Uh, but some people think, wait, wait, how did they get in here? No, no, we've, we've really always been here. It's yes. just not everyone realizes that. Right, and not open about it. Yeah, no, not at all. there has been that protection of yourself and... Your lifestyle. Well, right. And I think what happens with a lot of gamers is that they think to themselves, oh, I'm weird. And that's the first thing they think of. That's the thing that they that they identify with. And that's cool. Uh, I'm, I'm a gamer, too, that way. But it also means, though, that they sometimes forget about those other things that are still there. They're still a part of how we deal with one another. And so gatekeeping is just kind of silly. You know? Yeah. And... and- that's something I said to my daughter last night was mm-hmm. how diverse this particular con seems to me, having been to a number of cons. I do feel like there's a lot of women, a lot of people of color, I, I, more than other cons I've experienced, to be honest. Now, mm-hmm. you may have a different experience, but I think this is a really diverse con. I, I like it for that. So, you know, it's interesting you talked about the idea that, you know, a lot of gamers um, kind of think they're out, uh, a step outside. So, which would make me think, and I'm just kind of curious on your observation, um, it would seem like they would have a natural tendency to be more open and accepting of other groups because they, you know, already kind of feel like, oh... No, not necessarily. Well, I'm... Or, Or that they're outside of, that they're outside of the normal social norms because they're gamers, because they're automatically weird, so they, all of those outside rules don't apply. I, I think both things end up happening. Okay, I'm not trying to, you know, uh, have, have my cake and eat it too. I mean, I may be bisexual, but no, wait, no. Uh, let's see here, which is actually anyway. Uh, no, the the thing that goes on here is that yeah, sometimes I think gamers have an advantage in understanding people who have something else that sets them apart because they can they can see that and they go, yeah, I know what it's like to be treated differently. Sure. Totally get that. I think that sometimes, though, gamers get set off because, wait a second, they're identifying more with being something else than they are with whatever geeky, nerdy, you know, thing that they might be into. And the reality is, is that, you know, with those tensions there, I think if if given the sort of, how would you say, the right introduction... I think a lot of gamers would turn around and say, yeah, of course we want to have a diverse community here. Why shouldn't we have a diverse community? But I also think that sometimes we get a little insular. Oh, gosh, we can't let those, you know, 
Pathfinder or OSR or Story Gamers or oh my God those those people in and once that happens we're we're kind of like oh great we're eating our own you know and that's a problem true though though not never mind but and for example Larry you wouldn't have experienced this as we're doing as you guys know Steel Battalion here at Game Hall so I would be sitting in between two noobs who didn't know each other at the battle stations I've already established myself as somebody who can help them and know what buttons to push generally okay. and they will still look at each other and ask questions and completely ignore me and not ask me that question oh, and, and I, do you feel like that was a, a gender thing? absolutely they just are it was that I'm not used to talking to a girl about this so hey what do I do here you know they look beyond and that's exactly my point that what ends up happening and this is a problem is that people unconsciously bring their biases in so even at that moment that they're saying oh, I'm a gamer and I'm different and I know that I can put up with anybody who's weird and nerdy and all that that they've don't really realize that they're mostly reaching out to people well if they're guys they're reaching out to guys and talking to guys and and ignoring women i mean i have to tell you that my copy of original dungeons and dragons i got not from buying it myself i got it from a friend of mine who bought it when she was in high school in lake geneva wisconsin okay she was a female gamer long before there was any sort of I mean, any sort of realization that there might not be, right? So from my perspective, well, we've always been here. It's whether or not people actually learn to understand that and accept it. And I, and I think it's good when they do. That's all. And I related a story to you yesterday about when we were playing Mary Mr. Darcy. And you know, using using games to introduce gender ideas and discrepancies in our society is is such a cool thing to do because people might learn something. Might says learn the something. educator. And we had played the game, and it's fun. I played with a bunch of guys who all had to vie for marrying Mr. Darcy, who yeah, we've if interviewed you don't, if on you the don't show. Know the, if you don't know the game, uh, uh, you, we'll link you a role clip play. to previous uh, you, interviews. You role play uh, uh, as uh, a woman trying to get a perfect suitor. Yes. Or some might say the perfect the life being an old maid. But when we were interviewing <laughs> the maker, there, we, that is an option to win. In the game. Tom commented that, gosh, it was really, I felt just like I was so trapped and I couldn't make my own choices. And it's like, ding, 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 you got the game. That was the point of what we're trying to teach you. Right. Wait a second. You mean that there's pressure on women to conform to male expectations? Oh, say it ain't so. But, but no, wait. I mean, games like Marrying Mr. Darcy, one of the great things about a game like that, what, one of the things I love about that game is it's just far enough away from the here and now that people can pick it up, men can pick it up and play it, and then when they learn something out of it, it's not like they are feeling like they're eating their vegetables or, you know, oh, yes, I'm now, you know, I am now being forced to being politically correct. It's like, hey, wait a second, I never thought about this before. That stuff's real, isn't it? Oh, wait. 
you know and if if that light bulb moment happens it's like for me the light bulb moment when it happens in the classroom except it's better because they're having fun when they're doing it okay so so you were at this con and um so what were you, what have you been doing here? What have you been sharing with people here? Uh, I have not been getting enough sleep. Uh, let's see. Yeah, here. This uh, <laughs> and and probably I, I don't think my nutritionist would be very happy with my choices. But 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 oh wait, you're talking about the games I've been playing. <laughs> yeah, or or you, you uh, have some well, things to the, share the, with there's us. Some things to share. Okay. Yeah. No. Um, I'm actually wearing multiple hats. You know, I feel okay. like you know, was it uh, what was it Bartholomew Cubbins, the the Dr. Seuss thing? Now, okay. Uh, the first thing that I'm I'm here for is Madison Traditional Gaming, which is a game club that I started here in Madison uh, nine years ago. And when I got here, okay, when I got here, I had friends who had been telling me that there was this game club at the University of Wisconsin called the Dungeon Masters Association. Don't read into that. I wait. I mean, the Dungeon Masters Association, uh, who had been around for decades. They had been playing D&D since the 1970s and doing stuff, and it was really cool. And I got here, and I found it that they had folded as a student organization six months prior. Oh, no. So I sat down and said, well, that's crazy. We should do something about this. So I held a meetup, and I got together with some friends. And we had three people at the first meetup, and now nine years later, we have we're now located at Noble Night Games, which is an entirely, thoroughly dangerous place. I mean, seriously, you're going to leave your wallet and your credit cards there. Trust me. Okay, I understand and, that feeling. Yeah, yes. at Noble Night, and uh, we get about fifty people on a Tuesday night, and we have seven different games, seven different campaigns going on and the games we don't play are Pathfinder and 5th edition why is that well mostly because we want to show love to some other games okay but also because we want to support the Pathfinder Society and Adventurers League for people who want to play 5th edition or Pathfinder there's lots of those opportunities out there and I think that it's important that we support those clubs doing that stuff okay okay so they're not not cutthroating other clubs. No. no, in fact, most of our members right. also play Pathfinder in 5th edition. Right, right. But we want them to do it in, in, in a way so that they're going to they're gonna benefit the club more than just simply having it played at our club. And especially it, when there's so many other games you could play. Is it, so, it, are you primarily uh, pen and paper or uh, Tabletop role-playing. Table, tabletop role-playing. Table, table role we have, okay. let's see, in a second edition AD&D game, we have a Pathfinder, not Pathfinder, what am I saying? Oh, my goodness. Uh, Star Frontiers game. We have, uh, what else? Uh, we have a Changeling game. I'm running Classic Traveler from Game Designers Workshop. Okay. Uh, we've got a, and three other games that are going on right now. And okay. they are tremendous fun, and we change it up every four months, and we have a great time. So you're, I assume you're always looking for new players. Yes. Absolutely. Any level. Now, the only thing you need is enthusiasm, and, and you don't even need dice. We're in a game store. Come on. You don't need dice. Trust me. We can, we can solve that problem. Uh, but no, we, we, we expect we're probably going to grow, and we, we hope so, because th- I think the thing that most people realize when they come to Madison Traditional Gaming is there's all these other games they can have fun with. They just never knew. And if we gave them a chance to do that, 
that's the thing that I think has been the best part about it, is they get something new out of it. So we did an interview yesterday with a group that has an app, and I, I have to keep this card so that when we do our uh, stuff. But I thought it might be interesting to show you this, that it's a Game 4 app, and it's uh, basically an app to try to connect players, maybe someone like yourself back sure. in the day that was new to the town that sure. was trying to look for something like that. And it sounds like you have, um, they have, one of the things that's a feature of theirs is that if you're a verifiable gaming location, you're in their database. So then they, people can find it in your database as, oh, this is a good um, verifiable place to go play. It, it, it's I, I, that's great. So and I think we I will get connected. On, that no, that's really good. <laughs> no, I, I do want to say though, it's kind of funny. We started playing at Noble Night this past Tuesday, and they right. opened on Monday. And if you went out there, all you would see is this very anonymous-looking building in a light industrial, you know, district. Is this the right know, place? Sure, it says it's you here. Know, and and right, and and on top of, I mean, was, we were sort of telling people we should. <laughs> You know, go to the back, ask for Joe, tell him necessity sent you or something, you know, because there's no way that you can tell from the outside that this is such an awesome new location for A little them. sliding door. Yeah. What do you want? Walt sent me. Yeah, exactly. So, th- so that, that's one of my hats. So okay. Two others. All right. Okay. So, yeah, and, and as we've said, sorry, <laughs> I might want the mic. Um, as we've said, um, and, and certainly talked about, our conversation started with gender and talking about all sorts of things related to that. But also, you have an LGBT presence in the community here for Madison yes. Gamers. Yes, that's true. You want to grab that? Yes. Uh, oh my goodness. Um, we can we can switch we can switch microphones. Wait. New hat. No, okay. No, new hat. No, we can pass this along. No, Madison Gamers. Um, this is a local chapter of a na- nationwide organization. Uh, my friend Jeff Sorensen. Uh, put together tabletop gamers the the let's say in the last year after having distributed a whole bunch of uh, ribbons at Gen Con. I think they distribute like fifteen thousand, sixteen thousand ribbons at Gen Con each year for LGBTQ, lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, queer uh, gamers. And our local chapter is um, we're just the local presence of that. And we've been meeting at the local LGBTQ center outreach, but I suspect we might be moving to or having an additional session at Noble Night Games. We, we see we see some patterns going on here, and and we want to welcome anybody. You don't have to be LGBTQ. Well, I was wondering about that. As we just talked about natural natural proclivities to swall off other groups, right. you know. So you get in this sort of. Uh, group of LGBT and that's like your group so when others come in you're not maybe as welcoming maybe but maybe you know presume you're not going to be welcome yeah well I'm glad you brought that up there's a there's a really good sociological point to be made about that that is groups that are like uh, people of color or women or LGBTQ folks when they're creating spaces for themselves, they're doing it precisely because they're not getting welcomed by the larger society. That the larger society tends to assume that people are straight or white or male. Okay. And 
there's a whole bunch of ways in which this works. So when when they're creating those sort of you know safer spaces for themselves, they're doing it so they can find each other. But when they're doing that, they're also still aware they have to be that there are straight people and there are white folks and there are guys out there, and that you'll see most groups of this sort say. Of course, we're going to welcome other people from outside. This is for us as who we are, but we are certainly welcome to others. I mean, very occasionally you'll find groups saying, no, we, we want it just for ourselves. But those safer spaces, when we create them, are for opportunities so that we don't have to sit there and say to everyone, oh, by the way, I'm not straight. Right, right, right. You know, oh, oh you know, oh, please don't assume I am white. Right, Th- that sort of thing. And, and I think for people, when they're coming from that... Uh, position of what society assumes like I'm a guy there's a whole bunch of stuff that women encounter that I'm just not going to be as sensitive to and it's not because I don't want to be it's just because of how I've been brought up how we've all been brought up so if women tell me for example that they're going to create a space where they can hang out and uh, they want to do that and so that they can exchange stories and have fun and be women with each other I'm going to be like, two thumbs up. Two, uh, okay, I can only get three. <laughs> two thumbs up. And, and I two think thumbs that's up re- one at a time. One at a time. And, <laughs> but I think it's really important to happen because if we don't do that, we're not making the world as open a place as we should. Um, I start ranting soon. I, you don't have a podium. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to take off my shoe and start pounding the table. I mean, <laughs> it takes such a daily conscious awareness of. Any action, as mild as it may seem, where someone holds a door open for you and you stop and ask yourself, if I were black, would that door be open for me? Would they have stopped and held? Just because I'm a white woman carrying something, do they feel they're being polite and opening the door for me? If I'd been black, would they have done the same thing? You have to have that conscious daily awareness for even the smallest things. Well, I, 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 I do. Uh-huh. Um, and I'll just uh, I'll just wrap a, a little point on that. I, it is good that that there is a because I think I think um, probably the easy maybe maybe the, the clearest path to uh, bringing some of that together is just hanging out with people. And but but that's not the thing you're talking about. You're just hanging out with people as people, and you're doing this game or you're doing this thing, and, and that's just the you know, and and as you're going through it, then naturally some of the stuff yes. sort of falls off, you know, some of the biases and things. Cause Hopefully, you're just around, that's true. Like I, and that's why I, uh, I like gaming. I, I, I share I, this story, and it's it's sad to me that this is not happening as much. But I grew up in an era when they did busing, and for me, it was never. Uh, it wasn't an unusual situation to be with different races or, or, or that because, you know, the the school put us together. So we're orc inclusive. Absolutely, I th- I think this ongoing discrimination against goblinoid races needs to stop. I mean. It's, it's important that we recognize the diversity in our community of all sorts. And if we don't do that, we're not making this world as comfortable and welcoming a place as it should be. Yes. What do you say? 
I couldn't agree more. <laughs> Absolutely. And you just do you out of that we've got one more hat. One more hat. One more hat. Yeah, okay, so yes, uh it, did you wanna show? okay. So this is the third hat that I'm wearing, which is that is I'm the chair of the Tecumel Foundation. Tecumel is uh, a fantasy world created by Professor M.A.R. Barker, and Empire of the Petal Throne was the third published role-playing game after Dungeons and & Dragons. And, yeah. Did no, you know that, Larry? Yeah. And uh, at the time it was published, it was considered uh, sort of, uh, an exotic, amazing setting and world. Uh, and the thing about it was that uh, if J.R.R. Tolkien took his inspiration from, say, you know, Icelandic sagas and uh-huh. Beowulf, uh, Professor Barker took his inspiration from the Thousand and One Nights and Indian mythology and Arab, okay. Arab mythology and all of this stuff. It's very cool. Um, and we're just here uh, making it available again for people, and uh, we're having a lot of fun with it. And this comes back to our conversation this morning. We're talking about stories and how you develop. When Denise asked you, how do you develop a world? Yeah. Um, so uh, my fiance is is a, a writer, and she's a, a, journalist. a, a journalist. Sure. And she talked about um, some of the struggles of going from that very uh, non-fiction to creating a fictional world and writing a book, a fictional yes. book, and what, what kinds of steps. And I thought, uh, I had just said that, well, role-playing, you you might start to sort of, I don't know, put a fire under they, that juice that, you know, of, all right, this is how a fictional world works, you know. Yeah, no, I, I, that's one of the great things that you can explore in role-playing, which I think is really worthwhile. And it started, actually, weirdly enough, with Empire of the Battle Throne, because that game was the first published setting for a role-playing game uh, based on D&D. I mean, one could argue that Metamorphosis Alpha had its own published setting, and, and, and I think Jim Ward would certainly say that, and he'd be right. But when Professor Barker wrote this, he had been introduced to Dungeons and Dragons by a player in Gary Gygax's own gaming group, and he said, "This is fun. These dungeons are great, but where's the world?" So he cre- he took a world that he had created, started to create when he was much younger, and then he used that as the basis for this game. And it's uh, it it is something that includes geography and history it also includes languages because professor barker like professor tolkien was a linguist so we actually have a whole bunch of different languages in there and i i don't mean just like oh here's a phrase or two but if you can learn elvish you can learn soliani so and we and you know, we we're really really proud to have the chance to bring this back and show people that they can enjoy this this part of our history as gamers Sorry. Oh, the microphone. Yes. The uh, um, so uh, is this one of your games that you're playing at the uh, uh, Madison Tradition? Uh, Madison Traditional Gaming. I have run it before there. I will probably run it again. And uh, right now, I I will freely admit I have a campaign that I run at my house 
so it's not just everybody, but I'm trying to also find ways to bring it out more publicly, too. And, and there's other people doing stuff with it elsewhere. Jeff D., who is here at the con, uh, he has his own game set in the same world called Baythorm that he was selling here. And it's a tremendous piece of work, and, and, and we're just really happy he's doing it. So, Sounds really good. Um all right. Well, oh, I think what websites you want to make sure the community. Oops, sorry, <laughs> websites you want to make sure listeners and viewers know about before we sign off. Right. Uh, the first one would be uh, let's see here for Madison Traditional Gaming. You can find us on Facebook and on Meetup. Uh, Madison Traditional Gamers. Pretty straightforward stuff. Easy to find. And now that I think about it, I'm going to see if we can get us. Signed up on Game 4. Okay. For, um, let's see here, Tabletop Gamers, we are... Uh, now, Madison Madison Gamers, the local chapter, we can also find on Facebook. But TabletopGamers.org is uh, the website for that, so you want to go check that out. And the last one is Techamel.com. That's T-E-K-U-M-E-L.com. And that's the website that has been the uh, the uh, legacy website, the fan website for uh, Tecmo. <laughs> All right. Well, then I think that's it for. Uh, <laughs> and I don't know. We right. normally be saying, "Hey, well, more interviews," but this may be our last interview. This is. Well, it's Sunday, it's the it's Sunday afternoon. It's, edit it, but it's time to break the, down, and yeah, it's the end of the show. It's the end of the show. So. It's tired and I'm late. Wait, no. Uh. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Gamehole Con, for having us, as always. We're out. Mm